everyone and welcome back to Cheap Talk. It's a really dull day today, but I have with me a lovely customer who always brightens up my day with box. Um, this is Rebecca. Hi Rebecca, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm, I'm Rebecca. I am from Bangladesh. I moved to Scotland, uh, to Edinburgh in September 2019. And despite living maybe like five minutes walk from Cheap Shot. I only discovered it um, when I was wandering around um, during lockdown, actually. Um, so, so quite a bit of time after, after I moved there. So I've only known Cheap Shot in its lockdown uh, formulation, Great. which yeah. is wild. Did you come with a friend the first time? I feel like you did. No, 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 it was just me. It was just me. <laughs> I really, I really, I was really starved of socialization at that point, actually. Um, so I hadn't like interacted with anyone for like maybe 12 weeks other than, you know, the guard at the Tesco who, you know, is actually just a really nice guy. Um, but anyway, so that was like the extent of my socialization because I live alone. And then and then I found Cheap Shot. And actually there was someone ahead of me in the queue. Um, and then while I was stood there, I was just like, wow, I'm so excited to, to interact with someone. <laughs> and then I tried really hard to make you my friend <laughs> by coming back every day. <laughs> well, it worked. I don't know if this, this is funny how you mentioned that you were like starved of socialization, but when you, I don't know if you do this with other people, but when you approach the box, you like are quite cautious. Like you come across, you come up slowly, and then like I see yeah. your, I see your little face through the crack in the window. <laughs> you're kind of like, Mel, is it okay? Can I, can I come up? And I'm like, Rebecca, hi. And just, you're, you're so cautious. Um, it's really funny because most people just like jump in front of the window, but you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> I remember you brought me a slice of babka for my birthday. I spoke about this in the last episode with Ashley from Bits Bake Shop and we we had had a discussion about it and then I mentioned it was my birthday, like no like link at all, not like hint, hint. And then you came back with a slice and I was so emotional and I put it on the Instagram and I was like, Rebecca, like, I don't know who you are because I didn't have your Instagram handle. And then you were like, it's me. And that was just really nice. And then did I get you a slice for your birthday or I got you like a cinnamon bun or something? Cinnamon bun. It yeah. was the cinnamon bun for me. That's my that's my regular order. Okay, so I asked mm. you to prepare a coffee for this chat or because we're talking at four o'clock. I didn't know if you wanted one, but what do you have at home when you're in lockdown? How do you make a coffee at home? So I have... I have extreme amounts of guilt in admitting this, but um, I help. So I didn't have any, I really like coffee, you know, like I enjoy cheap shot for the company, but also like for the coffee. Um, so up until February of this year, I didn't actually have any coffee like making instruments at home at all yeah at all um so I would I would get it from the outside and I justified it because you know I'm like oh I get some socialization I support like some small businesses it's great um but then I was just like this is getting out of control 
you're just using it as a way to procrastinate. Mel isn't even here anymore. Like, what are you even doing? Um, and and I ordered I ordered an espresso machine, um, and I feel extreme amounts of guilt for that because not only did I order a Nestle product, I ordered a Nestle product from Amazon. Wow! <laughs> so it's, I know it's it's like. It's like the double whammy of like extreme consumer guilt. Um, and it's even worse because I actually love it. So <laughs> you're going to keep buying more. <laughs> so I'm going to keep buying more. I'm going to keep like fueling it. It's it's actually the whole like Nestle thing is like a, a broader guilt that I've carried since my childhood. Because um, in Bangladesh, Nestle was like all of the it made, it was a company that made all of the fun things like Kit Kat and like Maggie noodles and all these things that we loved. But my mom worked in maternal health. So she was always really like alive to the fact that Nestle pushed baby milk formula really, really hard in places like Bangladesh and like made women, mothers feel like breastfeeding wasn't an option for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mom is like, has grown up with this like vitriolic hatred of that whole situation and the association with Nestle there so it's more of it's more of that it's more of that situation rather than the quality of coffee that I'm that I that my guilt comes from so you haven't told her Um, about your coffee machine no (laughs) every time I call her I'm like oh just you know tea again um I wanted to ask actually what's your um what's coffee culture like in Bangladesh is it or like cafe culture as well if you want so it, it's really fun actually so <laughs> and it's something that's really like so the coffees come around so the, the culture around it is interesting right because it's a very like late night coffee culture right mm-hmm. so it's the sort of thing so and you know yeah, it's so different, right? Because the places aren't open. But like in Bangladesh, you'll go, you'll, you'll get everyone at like 11 p.m. Someone will be like, someone want a coffee? And, you know, everyone will like get into the car and drive, you know, and sit in traffic for 45 minutes to get to like a coffee shop that also does like wow. waffles and ice cream and all of this. So you go <laughs> and, and do that. So, so it's quite, it's quite different. But, you know, people the whole coffee shop trendy coffee shop vibe has now made it in Bangladesh maybe I'd say in the last like five six years um and it's it's one of the really interesting weird and like contrasting things where like so Bangladesh actually has one of the biggest refugee camps in the world in like the south of the country and I think of the coffee culture there because there's a coffee shop that's like just outside the refugee camp, right? So you have all of the Rohingya refugees who've come in from Myanmar who are like basically stateless people now. And then you have the whole network of like NGOs and people who work Mm -hmm. to them. And then you have like this like really fancy coffee shop, you know, where you hear and you hear the same sounds right of the like grinder of the beans and the steamer of the milk and all of that but you're in this totally different world so it's really it's really quite strange um so that always like sticks in my mind as something that 
you know, clearly someone's like noticed a market there where you have all of the like yeah. Western people who go and work in the refugee camps yeah. but who will also come and spend money in the coffee shop. And it, it, it's just, it, it's interesting in that sense. So it's like, the feel is very much the same as like, you could be anywhere in the world. You could be like somewhere in Edinburgh, but you're not, you're outside like yeah. one of the world's biggest refugee camps. So, so that's quite interesting. Wild. And then, yeah, it's really wild. Do you think, are there like, um, cause I know in Turkey, there are like stalls for of people who would maybe sell like bagels or like chestnuts or random like, or things or like tea like yeah not like a cheap shot stand like you know like a car or something like that do you have that in Bangladesh as well it's, it's actually quite similar so I can think of like lots of little little uh shops like that so you know except it won't just be you know you making the coffee it'll be like five people in with you in there sitting drinking tea <laughs> because you okay. know in Bangladesh it's the most densely populated place on earth so like you gotta sit somewhere you know so you'll find anywhere <laughs> to sit so it's uh <laughs> I think yeah so invest in the teas mm-hmm. and you'll do well <laughs> so we were born and raised in Bangladesh right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I feel like you're not to like categorize you but like you're like <laughs> one of my friends who is like I would say is like an international kid or like has like grown up and studied in like lots of different places and like your accent that means your accent is not very like distinct or it's distinct in that I can tell you've just been all over um so what's like your story like how did you get from Bangladesh to Edinburgh these are all very uh accurate classifications of me (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) um I so so I grew up in Bangladesh so my mom works uh for the UN she works for UNICEF um so we lived in Bangladesh till I was 12 um and then she got she got posted internationally um so when I was 12 we moved to Sri Lanka um and then when I was 15 we moved to Ghana um and then I graduated from high school there. And then I went to New York University. Um, but I did my first year of university in the program that they have in Florence in Italy, um, which is very nice. I didn't know that. I know. I know. It, it, was, it was lovely. It was really nice and actually really helpful for me because I always went to very small schools. So I graduated in a, in a class, I think, of 30 people. Um, and my just my year at NYU had 4,000 people in. Um, so yeah, so Florence is like a good intermediary step because they send about a hundred uh, first years there. Um, so that so that was really nice. So I was there for, for just about a year and then I moved to New York um, and was there for two and a half years. And then I moved to London and then I moved here. So yes, I've been all around, yeah. but I've always had I've always had this accent. I've always sounded American. My Bangla teachers used to complain about it to no end when I was in Bangladesh. Um, my you... parents blame the 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 TV. I was just like, going to ask, did you watch American TV? Yeah, 
yeah yeah like Cartoon Network like it's amazing I don't sound like Scooby-Doo like it's 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 actually a miracle no actually um because my parents my parents and my sister like sound lovely and cultured and you know really nice and you can't quite place them but you know I'm, I'm just like and then obviously I went to university in in the U.S. so so my twang was like <laughs> refined there um but but let's see I don't know. Seven years of living in the UK doesn't seem to have done much to it. So, no. so we'll see. I mean, yeah. I don't hear any hints of Scottish like at all <laughs> whenever you speak. I said, I said, I said Wayne's the other day. <laughs> oh, you said that to me and you you were like laughing for like 10 minutes. I was like, this is not hilarious, but okay. <laughs> like, I love it. Did I tell you? I think I told you. I think I told you, but for all of the all of the the listeners of which I know there will be many um, of this episode, Wayne's is a great word because it's a contraction of we once, which is just an excellent little factoid about about language. <laughs> what did you study at uni then? Because I want to get onto your job, which I think is super interesting. Mm. But what's the background like? what were you interested in? So I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went to university, um, which is why I was very lucky to study in the US um, because of the, I guess, the way that you pick and choose classes and the way that you can major and minor and things. Um, I ended up studying anthropology, um, which is great because American anthropology also includes archaeology, linguistics, biological anthropology, and cultural anthropology. So it's like all of this mishmash of different like disciplines all under the the banner of uh, anthropology. So I got to take like a whole bunch of different types of classes. Um, I also did a bit of like computer science stuff in there so that's what my minor was yeah you can do all of this like random combination of stuff but but it's it suited my my kind of interests really well well my university um had a lot of like programs and grants to support undergraduate research which was really like really great for me um because it was it, it, new york was new york was strange it was one of those like everyone was so intense all the time right so it would be like, you know, oh, I have, you know, I go to my first internship and then I go to university and then I go to my second internship and then I go to my like, you know, my part time job. And I was just like, wow, you know, all I did was watch Lost today. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to university when Lost came out. I just like got to watching it when. when that OK, so. Yeah, I'm not that old, but, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was so, so it was um, quite nice, actually, to be able to do stuff and, and be recompensed for it in the summers, because in the US, you also have a big culture of, of um, unpaid internships, mm. um, which was, which was a tricky one to kind of, to kind of manage, really. Um, it's not, a, it's not a great system um but luckily my university had lots of like grants and things so so that was that was nice um, but yeah that that led me I mean in, in terms of like pivoting to my job mm -hmm. um I graduated from university and then I moved to London um and then just like had these awful like 
seven months and it wasn't very long at all when I think back to it but during that time it was so like fraught in terms of I'm never going to get a job like you know it was that kind of thing of I have no idea where this is going um I was working in a spinning studio actually um at front desk at a, at a spinning at a spinning studio um and I'd get like free spinning classes which is great which is really fun um but just for spinning yeah yeah oh, wow. it was like one of yeah it's like one of those like you know like big city things you know where it's just like just for, you know and classes cost like you know 20 pounds a class and like all of this so um speaking so, so of, that was speaking of big city do you think just quickly do you like the move from New York to London was that like mm-hmm. do you feel like you were like downgrading or upgrading in a different way like in terms of like size or like hustle and bustle or whatever uh well it's it's different right because New York was like a very specific time of my life in that I was a I was a student so mm-hmm. my experience there I liked university I liked my classes I liked my major and my little department but it was very it was also very lonely I guess I don't know it was I just remember this like it, and it's interesting because it's it's similar to what I felt here in the last year in terms of you know this just kind of I don't know I don't know but it London in my memory though represents like eventually after those seven months I did get a job and it 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 represents this like financial independence that I'd never achieved before which it just like you can see me grinning right because it's like it's it's just it was so significant and like you feel so empowered by it to Mm -hmm. to be like no okay I'm doing this you know with with my skills and you know it's it's it I I don't know London is just like it represents when I became independent and when I became like more of an interesting person I think I just wasn't very interesting at university I wasn't interesting until I was maybe like 25 I think Um, well it's like financial independence and you can have confidence to go out and like meet people and like Mm -hmm. now a job that you can talk about that's like a conversation starter Mm. and you meet people through your job so like that will open doors like socially as well so it makes sense yeah yeah no it's great I I loved so whenever I get the kind of inevitable New York or London comparison question it's like it's, it's always London actually but I think that has more to do with like phase of life things than, yeah. than anything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. how a city can like represent a period in your life is pretty Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Nice. No so sorry, is. you were in London and you got yeah. a job and carry on. Yes, yes, I got a job. So I was in the spinning studio and um, I ended up getting, so they didn't call it a graduate scheme because then they would have had to actually have a lot of different benefits. But it was basically the graduate scheme at uh, the BBC for for like their audiences department. So analyzing everyone who listens to the BBC and watches it. And I was specifically like pulled into the um, world service part of it, which which makes a lot of sense um, with my background and the type of like research experience and stuff that I'd had. And I was actually thinking about this the other day. Someone called Claire Rooney recruited me. And I think about it a lot because I get to, 
I get to recruit a lot in my in my job now. Um, and I think about how that completely changes the course of your life. And like Claire recently became like the head of of the team that she had recruited me onto. Um, and it's just like, if she hadn't been there on that particular recruitment day, like it could have gone anywhere. I was convincing myself. I was like, maybe my future is in the fitness industry. You know, <laughs> it's, just, it's just wild. It could have ended up any which way, but, but Claire recruited me and like the BBC as your first gig is such a good first gig. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it was like, you know, three years of, of, really hard work like I was, I was pushed a lot and I think when you first go into a job like I couldn't stay awake most of the day because you've never worked from nine to five and it's really unnatural it's really unnatural right so I had to like I, I, I fell asleep in meetings sometimes it's so embarrassing to admit but like I would because I and my body just wasn't used to that pattern so like it was a very quick but very impactful three years where I was trusted to do things that were probably above my station, but that gave me like a huge amount of exposure. So I was extremely, extremely lucky to be able to, to be able to do that. Um, and then I pivoted into uh, government. So I worked for the UK government first, and then I did an exchange with the Scottish government. So I came and worked here for a week in like October, 2018. And then it was, yeah, it was, it was, I, I was like, wow, this works really differently. Um, there's like quite a different like way that the civil service works here. So I was really interested in that. And then, yeah, eight months later, I found myself here, um, which, which is really strange to think about. Um, I'd never like moved anywhere on my own. I didn't really know anyone here, um, but I just arrived. Oh yeah, yeah. I just imagine like little Rebecca, like fresh out <laughs> of these big massive cities, and now you're in like tiny little Edinburgh, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Honestly, like it is. I am such an Edinburgh fan girl. I'm. It is. <laughs> it is just. It's honestly. I think if you have some disposable income, it is the one of the best places to live oh. in the world. I mean, I guess honestly. you're quite. You're quite outdoorsy, aren't you? And like, you like to be out and about. I know that's how you procrastinate best. (laughs) (laughs) There's been a couple of times, but there was one specific time you came for a coffee. And then I was like, what are you up to now? And you're like, I'm just just going home. And I know (laughs) the direction you come. And then you started walking the other way and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll just go for a walk first. I was like, okay, she's not go back to work for an hour at least <laughs> talk me through a day in your life at your job pre-covid because I know you're just working from home at the moment so what was yeah. it like if you can remember back to that time if I can remember back to that time back to that time um so I so the Scottish government offices here the ones I work at are the ones in Leith um so it's maybe like maybe like an hour walk from, from my apartment. So mm-hmm. I'd try to walk to work in the oh, morning. Oh yeah, I know where you are. I know where they are because they're near me and I walk past them. They have like massive fences around them. And I'm just like, what's in yeah. here? Like it looks so <laughs> <different>. <laughs> It's a huge building. It's yeah. huge. Um, 
it has a swimming pool inside as well actually um yeah I've never be I've never been in it um because at the time it's the most civil service thing ever actually I think <laughs> at the time I joined they realized that they couldn't like not have a lifeguard there so you could only swim when there were other people except you know it's like a working office like people don't swim all the time <laughs> so it was almost impossible to go swimming there um but but yeah so I so I worked there and it's it's such a it's such a nice area actually um mm -hmm. it's just by the shore it has the Williams and Johnson coffee shop that's just there um so I'd get to work inevitably probably go to the Williams and Johnson coffee shop at some point during the day um I work on I work on or at, I guess at the time I was working on a lot of like legislation and things um so I would sometimes have to come to the parliament that's only just you know like 15 minutes um from the apartment here yeah um so kind of just just popping around between there trying to I, I was so active before, you know, like I think I underestimated how much I actually had to like move during the day. Mm. And you've seen, you've seen how big that building is. It's like long, right? It's yeah. like a mile long. So if you realize that you have a meeting like on the other side of the building, you have to like, <laughs> you have to like leg it. And it's just like one long set of, of like open plan offices, <laughs> just like clumping around trying to go. Um, it's really nice. I really miss the office actually. It's a really lovely like working culture and everyone's very friendly and nice. Um, and it's nice, it's, I miss hearing people like speak. And I remember when I first moved here, it was very nice because it was all, it was almost like living somewhere that's bilingual again, because I think English does much more interesting things here. Right. So people express themselves in slightly more interesting ways, I think, than than down south. Maybe I'm just used to uh, how people express themselves in England or rather in, in, in London. Um, but yeah. So quickly back to your job hmm. saying like about the lifeguard, that's one of the most like civil servant things ever. Is there any anything else that happened to you that you were like? oh shit, I'm doing like quite an important, or like I'm in quite an important field of work. Like this is not what I expected or like a privileged moment. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of those. I get, I get, I really get a lot of them because because I really, really love my job. I, I really like it. Like I really am in the right place. Oh my um, God. I just say that's so nice to hear like, no one says that these days it's kind of like fashionable to be like oh I hate my job or like like daily grind like here we go like whatever like, no one says I mean I say it but like no one is like I love my job whatever <laughs> um so that's really positive that's really cool um yeah it's it, yeah no no it, I, I get what you mean and I feel I feel so lucky to be able to say that like there's very very few things about my job that that I don't like and the things that I don't like are not like out of the scope of things I can control right so so it's it's quite nice and I think what's been really nice about the last few years is that um I've kind of been like a magpie up until now where I've like I feel like I've I've picked I've I've had I've worked with some really really excellent people and some really excellent like leadership particularly at the BBC in my like first job there 
And I feel like I've been able to pick and choose the things that really resonate with me and work with me. And then in the last few years, I've been able to build the culture that I want in a team, which is, which is really nice. And it's, it's really lovely. And it's, it's, I couldn't really ask for a better working environment, to be honest. Um, But, but yeah, no, I've worked on, I've worked on quite, quite a few things. I think probably here, probably in the last six months, it's like, um, actually having a stamp on on legislation that's that's gone through the parliament mm-hmm. um it's been you know it's on very very niche things to do with how social security is coordinated um internationally um so essentially you know if you receive a disability assistance here whether you can take that with you when you move to ireland or when you move to gibraltar or you know, anywhere in the EU or, you know, so, so it's this really interesting, like, uh, inter- intersection between international agreements and social security and all of that and people moving around. And um, so there is a very technical piece of legislation that went through to make those things possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so to understand it and to... I don't know. It's always going to be there, even if it gets amended. That's the kind of baseline of something that didn't exist before. That's now a law. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the and so, so that's that's very cool. And you know, you kind of have to remind yourself. There's always so much to do that you always kind of have to remind yourself that no, actually, in the last six months we've like done done quite a few things. Like we've made laws. Um, and the cool thing about working in the Scottish government is that just the way that it works currently because a whole new social security system is being set up here you get to work on the law and then you get to work immediately and often at the same time to implement it so even before really the law is there and laid in parliament and passed you're working on the systems that will deliver it um and that's that's really really rare that you get that opportunity to do that um in in like the policy making world so I've been really lucky and it was a deliberate choice for me to come here to, to do that because I knew that, you know, Scotland had these new powers um, and it was, you know, wild and like crazy to deliver and like a totally new way of doing things. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's been, it's been lots of pinch me moments like that. Um, so, so it's good. I have does that give you like a sense of like humble pride because like are you kind of like not sworn to secrecy but like are kind of a lot of things yeah. under wraps before you can eventually be like yeah I was part of that or like do you just like to tell people like that law that you have to follow yeah I, I <laughs> well the thing the thing that's you know great about the civil service is that it's also it's very very rarely if ever you know dependent on one person so your your ego completely mm has to learn to take a back seat because you yourself as you know a solitary cog are never going to get anything done um so it will never be like you know you might you might be in a senior position when something goes through but it's always like a group a group of like you know 10 15 20 people who who make it happen um so it's it's one of the things that i really like actually about about working in the civil service it is it gives you that level of like protection for when you know <laughs> the press reports are bad <laughs> um, but... yeah that's true 
that's a spin on it for sure um but but it also just means that you know you're delivering things in like quite a collaborative way working with some really really good people um there's like levels there's like levels of keeping of being discreet I guess um Mm -hmm. but uh it's kind of like no it's lots of little ants like carrying a leaf across a tree trunk you know they're like yeah from a distance it looks like one ant or one body but no it's lots of little ants carrying this big legislative leaf that's beautiful (laughs) that is beautiful I just came up with that right now I swear wow I mean that is something I'm gonna take back to my team I'm gonna be like you're all ants (laughs) and yeah you mentioned the gym and like your bubble and how Mm. kind of got you through Mm -hmm. and like I mentioned cooking and how that seems to be like a big part of your life um yeah that right to say that (laughs) yeah yeah I think cooking is like one of my I think it's my oldest hobby actually Mm-hmm. um because because when I was young you know like we we lived abroad my dad's business was in Bangladesh so he was like traveling a lot of the time um my mom had like a very uh kind of occupying job right so she she wasn't necessarily at home as much um so when I wanted to eat something that I like really wanted I couldn't yeah. like wait around you know so then I just like started started cooking it um so I've been cooking like and like cooking you know with like a gas fire (laughs) it's just just, like really strange to think about since I was like 11 or 12 you know and it's something that I always yeah it's something it makes me sound so South Asian doesn't it It, it's (laughs) something that I like it's something I always watched my mom do because my mom would come home right and everyone would like congregate in the kitchen and you know I'd sit on the counter seen how my mom like sort of de-stressed and unwound after a day um when she was cooking and I just sort of picked that up mm-hmm. and it's very much it's very much what I do now I'm not I'm not a very good baker I don't I don't bake very well but I really enjoy cooking um so I spend a lot of time doing that that's nice I think it's funny to hear you say that like cooking helps you unwind because I feel like cooking mm. winds me up <laughs> like I really <laughs> love to like relax and cook a meal but I just like I put on a podcast or music and like I try and yeah but then like when I don't when I don't understand the recipe or I can't find something I have to stop the podcast and then everything goes wrong and then I just I don't have this ingredient or whatever so um but I guess it's totally different for you but like if you've grown I didn't grow up with cooking like you did mm. I think I was probably mm-hmm. um Okay, um, well, thank you so much, Rebecca. That was a lovely chat. I feel like I get people on to talk about what we normally chat about in the box, but I've just asked you your life story. But um, <laughs> I always thought you were like su- just like a super interesting person and someone who's like really smart. But like, I'm not saying you downplay it because you like, you don't have, like come across as not smart, but you're just very humble and really like just friendly and cheery, and it's so nice to have you as a customer. Um, so that's my little spiel oh. about how much you mean to me. Um, that's so nice. You mean a lot to me as well. Oh, well, I'll hopefully see you soon. I say this to everyone, but I really think I will see you soon. Um, uh, have 
an enjoyable rest of your day and a good weekend even though this comes out on monday so just to confuse people um but yeah thank you so much for chatting with me i know you've been nervous about it but you were great i assure you <laughs> all right i'll see you soon see you soon yeah take care thank you